Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pockets Full Soup. I'm your host, Jerry Petty. Joined this week by Megan Sullivan. Hi, guys. Live from Megan's ground floor. Yes, my bunker. Your bunker? This is your bunker? This is my very fancy bunker with the chandeliers and the big table. If this is where I'm spending doomsday, I'm all right with that. You have a lovely home. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having us here. I am so excited. So, Megan, uh, folks know you from a few places. Uh, uh, where, where are some places uh, we can spot you? Well, number one is IGN.com for all your JRPG, RPG, uh, Borderlands, uh, everything Tom Hiddleston. Sorry, we were just talking about him the other day. Uh, and by so the lovely. other day, uh, the other like second. Um, yes. So you can find me on IGN.com. Uh, I'm also part of IGN Anime Club, and that has its own YouTube channel. And that channel is... Uh... Literally like YouTube slash IGN Anime Club. You... Okay, so you're on Anime Club. Uh, you do lots of things over there at IGN. You also do uh, history and games. I do. So I have a Twitch cast every Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And it's me playing games with a historical slant, no matter how ridiculously small it is, and talking about history. You love history. I love history. And you specialize in uh, kind of ancient Near Eastern and Mediterranean history, right? Yes. So AMA about anything Greco-Roman, Egyptian, Persian, all that stuff. Although I did a whole series on Viking history, which is how I came across the Marvel Thor movies, if you will. You You came across them through history, not through Marvel? I came across them through history so true story my first marvel movie was actually guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. that was what hooked me into marvel because i didn't grow up reading comic books no one in my family read comic books and so i was really late to this game okay and so history was the draw history was That's actually really my gateway drug into marvel oh viking history is pretty rad it is really rad yeah first off Helmets with horns? No, not after a certain period. They left that behind. They, they, they did, yeah. but it wasn't their proto-history. Right, way early on. Way early on. So it's not inaccurate to say that their ancestors had Viking horns, but the actual Vikings did not have horns, yeah, the I'm ones sorry. that we think of. Like the, 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 by the time we're running around Normandy and doing things like that. Yeah, no they, they, they ditched that. They're like, oh, it's not very practical. We'll just do the whole raiding and plundering thing. Yeah, Maybe raiding. settle down, some, do some farming. One might say, go a Viking. Boom. Yeah, it's a real verb. Might say. Indeed. For more on that, kids, history and games. Uh, <laughs> but tonight, Megan, we're going to start with a question that uh, we always start with until I decide to change it. And that is, uh, tell me about somebody you're thankful for. I'm thankful for my mom. Your and mom. Okay, I- so moms and dads, very popular on Pockets Full of Soup. Yes. So it's a mom cast tonight. It is. And I know that's very cliche, but no, seriously, my mom. No, that's okay. Mothers are never cliche. That's such the right answer. Mother's never cliche. So you're going to talk about your mom tonight. Um, So let's start at the beginning here. What's your very first memory of your mother? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I have to go all the way back. Um, Slight tangent. My my very first memory was actually of my older brother saying happy birthday when I was three years old. Oh, That's my first memory. You remember your older brother saying happy birthday? I do. And I want to say my first memory of my mom is... Checking me in my room when I was a, when I was just teeny tiny because I was jumping on the bed and I could flip on my bed and I think she wanted to make sure that I was not going to flip off the bed. Now, is this the same really tall bed you have now? No. So this is uh, my baby house, which isn't actually too far from here. Uh, it's a lot smaller and I had this little closet that was my room. I was a preemie. I was very small. Okay. So up until I was like two or three, I was actually in this room and then we moved to this house 
And, uh, but that's my first memory is me jumping on that. I loved that bed. I love jumping on the bed. I just remember my mom like coming in being like, are, you're not going to fall out the window, are you? That's the first thing I remember, <laughs> just checking to see. If yeah. So my mom is right. always, always checking to see if I'm all right. Mm-hmm. Now your mom, uh, your mom, uh, I just, uh, met her for the second time tonight. Yes. Uh, I met her a couple of times. Uh, you, you guys actually live together, right? Yes, uh, we do. So, okay. So you and your mom. And so you have literally known with your mom and been with your mom your entire adult life yes right? now, i didn't take her with japan to japan with me okay i briefly lived in japan a few years ago but no i didn't i didn't pack her up and take her with me but you say briefly what about six months right about six months so that's quite a while yeah okay. well it was after grad school and mm-hmm. i wanted to do something not school and job related well that's amend that it was it was a job but teaching english in japan was a lot of fun so i never considered it a job it's a fun job yeah you've had some pretty neat jobs i have had some pretty neat. actually ign though has been my my first real and only job since I was in my early mid twenties. Well, I don't know how many people know this, but you are you are one of IGN's senior veterans. veterans. <laughs> I mean, you have I've, been there I've, longer I've than seen, almost anyone. I've seen some action. Let me just put it. To yeah, you've been at IGN how long? Ten years. Ten years. Yeah, that's which, folks. That is half the length of time IGN has existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's uh, you. You uh, you have outlasted almost everyone. Almost everyone. My my. I think the only ones left in the trenches are Per Schneider. Yeah. Uh, Mark Nix, my boss. Yeah. Fran Milabella, and I think that's it. I yeah. think we're and then someone on the engineering. Nor- Northcutt came in from from Todd Gans- North- yeah yes. from outs- outside in a different spear kind of. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But okay. I've seen a lot of people come and go, and I think Mark and I are literal fixtures at IGN. I think we've yeah. been grandfathered in. <laughs> been there a very, very long time. So, um, everybody has different stories to tell about their mother. You, Of all the people you could have chosen to talk about, you chose her tonight. What especially led you to decide you wanted to talk about your mother tonight? I feel like my mother is one of those unsung heroes where she could have had a successful career. She could have done, gone and done great things. And then uh, when she decided to have a family, a large family, there's five of us actually. Um, five kids. Five kids. She gave up having a career to be a full-time, what some people call a domestic goddess. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think people really don't appreciate what that entails, raising five kids while, you know, your husband has a full-time, very busy job and, mm-hmm. you know, just supervising this this huge house the way she does and just constantly being there for their kids. I think it's one of those things where you can't stress enough that it's really important when you have a stay-at-home parent, whether it's a father or a mother. When did you first begin to understand that it was somewhat, uh, that, that when did you begin to understand this? When did you begin to understand that, uh, you know, your mother's always your mom. And mm-hmm. so when you're little, she's around and she's there with your family. When did you begin to understand, wait a minute, my mom devotes all her time to us and that's not the same for necessarily all of my friends. When did that begin to, to click for you? Um, I grew up with a lot of latchkey kids. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with a lot of people who had au pairs. So they had these live-in nannies. Uh, and I, I knew that, that my parents were different from that and that there was a lot of, of stability mm-hmm. in in my home where you know a lot of my friends had parents who were divorced or they just weren't around. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of always knew it. But the the point where I really realized that this was someone special was ironically... Uh, when she wasn't around, where she actually, uh, when I was in high school, uh, she started taking uh, all sorts of community college classes just for fun. Most of the kids had moved out and there were only two kids left. And so she had a lot of free time. So she started taking 
uh, floral arrangement classes and computer classes and all this stuff. And I remember I came home one day because I had a huge fight with one of my friends and she wasn't in the house. And I took that super personally. How dare you not be there when I need you? I was irrationally angry and upset about this. And my mom came home and saw that I was upset and just felt horribly guilty. She and felt guilty because she, felt she guilty hadn't because been she home. Had, she hadn't been home for what, 30 minutes? And just wasn't immediately there for my knee? And, you and know, how old were you when this happened? Like 17? No kidding. <laughs> I was a little old to throw So your mom was tangent. around that much with five kids uh-huh. and, and no vocation. Uh, no, and no. The, 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 her, she was a full-time uh full-time parent, full-time uh, uh, running the household. And so you were just, that was the level of expectation. That was the level of expectation what? that I had, because uh, I was very spoiled. How did you feel when you saw your mother's reaction to that? That's about when it clicked, where there was, some, there. she felt so bad that I realized something was wrong on my part. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, it stuck with me. I was like, she's so dedicated. She's so always there. That I had taken advantage of it for years and years and years. And even now, I mean, it's it's really cute. I, you know, I live at home with my parents because I can't afford to live outside of my parents' house in the Bay Area. It's so fantastically expensive. <laughs> it really is. And so, uh, and I, I'm not ashamed to admit that. I'm like, this is a this is a lovely home and I can't afford, I can't even afford to have roommates. That's how expensive it's gotten. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, even when I go out, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not going to tell you how old I am. I'm going to let you guess. Um, but I'm older than 18. And even it's really cute. If I come home and I haven't texted my mom, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out super late or I may not be home at all. I might just stay at my friend's house or whatever. They still get worried. Yeah. Well, well let me go back to that story you told me about. You come home. You've had a bad day. You're yeah. looking for your mom to talk to. Your mom's mm-hmm. not there. You're used to her being there. When you saw how she reacted, did you guys talk about that? If not at that moment, then later? I don't remember. I, I just remember, I just, all I remember is my mom just feeling really bad. Like she had done something wrong. And it was, for some reason, I was like, I didn't expect that, you know, that, that sort of, like, I don't want to cause my parents sadness. And it made my mom sad that I was sad. Did you talk to her about it after? I don't remember. Yeah? I, I don't remember. But I, I know that in, you know, the years since, I always make sure to tell her how much I appreciate her because people don't do that with their moms so whenever my mom makes a meal or checks up on me or does something for me i always thank her profusely because i've never forgotten that because you've been that's interesting that's very interesting what about uh, you talked about your mom was taking community college classes at the time did your mother before she met your father did she uh, or even after she met your father uh before she had kids did she have career aspirations were there things vocationally that she wanted to do um, yes, there, there were actually, my mom is really passionate about science and, uh, medicine. Um, and she always struggled a little bit with the more advanced, uh, mathematics involved and, and science involved, but she always had a passion for it. And what's interesting, uh, sort of a tangent is that when my parents first got married, my mom was making more than my dad. Okay. She was actually a legal secretary. Okay. So she did work. She, she, point. she okay. did work. She actually made more than my dad did. And okay. so she had all sorts of opportunities, uh, open to her. But when they started having so many kids, she was like, someone has to stay home. I don't want strangers raising my children. When did she stop, uh, stop going to a job? Probably when my brother Ethan was born, so her second child. Her second child. And up to that point, she was still working in, in legal? No. So she, either when my eldest brother was 
three or four or when my brother Ethan was born was about the time she was like, nope, I want to, I just want to be home with my kids. So she, she, she cut out working altogether Mm -hmm. to raise a family. So some of that was she made the decision she wanted to be there. The other part was that I assume your father's economic situation had changed to allow that to happen? Um, a little bit, yes. I mean, they. I think they always agreed that no matter what the economic situation, they wanted to raise their kids in a stable home. They're a little more traditional that way. And so because my mom loves children, obviously she had five of them, wanted mm-hmm. more. Um, she. Uh, this was a decision that they came to fairly early on. And yeah, when my, my dad started getting more clients and, you know, because he's a lawyer, they, it started... Uh, it started getting better for them, but that's not necessarily how it started out. They just really wanted a, a, a traditional family. And that was, you know, I, I think about my own family, and that was a, a kind of a, my mother, um, uh, for a while, when we were born, stepped away from work, but my f- parents found it, they wanted to, to, to have one parent at home, but they found it economically untenable eventually. Yeah. Uh, they had to work on two incomes, and that created a, I know that it created some tension for them. Uh, uh, for both of them in that situation. Did your mother ever feel any tension in her decision to step away? Did she ever feel, did she ever express to you a sense of longing to go back? I know that she went back to college eventually. Did she miss the, uh, the, the life outside of the home? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so many things. Like, we all have things we want to be when we grow up. We want to be the ballet astronaut, you know, ice skating champion of the world. And when you consciously make the decision of putting somebody else's life ahead of yours, you know, let alone five, I mean, there's, I, I'm sure there was a, I know this sounds very heavy, but a, a little bit of a grieving process for yourself and what you could have become. Did she ever tell you what she wanted to be when she grew up? Um, she, you know, it's funny. She never specifically said, you know, I wanted to be a ballerina when I grew up or anything, but I, I know she had had uh, the ability, I, I I think she's modest. I think she does, but uh, I I think medicine is her is her passion. Yeah, she loves medical science, and I I think she has more of a gift for it than she realizes. She's always very modest about it, but I'm like, yeah. But when doctors start asking you questions about what is this, <laughs> now, and I've seen this happen <laughs> with all of you raised now, um, what's your mother decided to do? Now, what what changed when the last uh, of the of the five children reached college age? Did that change how she looked at, at her family responsibilities, or did had she grown more comfortable living in a in a more domestic style life? What did she? I think it's at this point is she so used to to running uh, this household and doing? I mean, this is a very big old house, and there's always something that needs to be fixed or something that needs to be redecorated. I think the hardest adjustment was just not having kids in the house. Mm-hmm. How so? Um, I guess when you're when you're used to feeling needed, you know, as, as someone to make meals and, and do laundry, all the stuff that you know I I hate to do, where I'm like you know I got spoiled and I had someone else <laughs> do it for me. But when you feel like you're needed, uh, you know, and all of a sudden your children don't need you to do that anymore, I I, I can't help but think that there's a little bit of sadness there. Is Even, that hard for her? I think I think I, I think it might be. Yeah. You know, you would think that she'd be thrilled. I don't have to do someone else's laundry. I don't have to make the meals. I don't have to drive them. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's fun in the sense that oh, now you can do what you want to do. But that the feeling of being needed, I think, is uh, is, is very important. Well, Just, by the time the fifth child's out of the house, your mother probably spent half her life living a certain way. Literally half her life, you know, living for other people. And, so, and then it's like you spend all that time. Uh, dedicating your life to other people and then it's like 
Now what do I do? You and I have never been in that situation. Neither of us has kids. Mm-hmm. Um, what What do you think that's like? Have, have you ever thought about that? I I don't know. I you know it, it's funny when I when I think about children. It's like it, it's something I want, but something I'm like I don't know if I'd be good on it because I I grew up so spoiled, <laughs> so spoiled, and I just you know I'm always worried that I wouldn't be a good mother because I would just. Like, what do I do? I have to do laundry now? I have to cook for you? Do I you, don't... Do I, you think your mom felt any differently when she was starting? I, I can't help but think just a little bit. I mean, yeah. you don't... You're not born a parent, right? Like, you're born a child and you grew up and... I, I, I think that it's a huge learning curve, I'm sure, to have kids. Well, let me ask you this then. Where did she learn it? Probably. You know what? I don't know. Probably through really? experience. Have you, have you never asked her? How <laughs> I just assume through experience. You know, you have one kid and you're like, well, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you have a second kid and like, that didn't work either. Third kid, uh, I'm getting better at this point. Experiment. Yeah. But so do you, what do you know about your mother's mother? Um, not a whole lot, actually. Um, she visited up until the 90s and then she got older and, and then eventually she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but both my mom and my mother's mother are from the South. And um, Jared is actually a witness to this. I didn't know this about my grandparents. My grandparents met in North Carolina. And my my grandfather was, a, I guess, an officer in the Army, if I heard that correctly. And my grandmother was riding a cow down a train track one day. <laughs> I don't know what she was. One does. She was riding a what? A, a cow, I guess. Is she was what? riding a cow I down think a she, train track? A train track, apparently. I, I just heard this story tonight, and that's how they met. And I have to admit, if I were my grandfather, I'd be like, all right, I got to go figure out why this why this beautiful lady is riding a cow down a train track. They're, I have questions, and I need answers. <laughs> now, I believe I saw a picture of your grandmother when she was young here in the yes. house earlier. She was a beautiful woman. Yes. Just lovely woman. She was riding a cow down a train track, and your grandfather, who was in the service, saw her. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what he he was doing at the time, but one does. I mean, this is like a scene from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Isn't it though? Yes, it totally is, is. This is very, very strange. You now, make this now up. what about your mom, and Dad? How they meet? So this is a cute story. Um, this is during the Vietnam era, and my dad was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and they met at an officers' club, and so my mom actually didn't have a, a date to go into the officers club. And so she was shy about going in by herself because that's not what Southern ladies do. Ladies always have a, a gentleman. A sense of genteelness. And, yeah, gentleness. So she wanted to be escorted. She wanted to be escorted into the, gen- the, 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 almost the gentleman's club. Good Lord. No, now, the officers club. The officers club. <laughs> Let me ask you, I want to be clear here. Was she afraid or did she just consider it, it just more proper to go? It was more escort? proper. Okay. There's all sorts of rules in the South where my mom is. So she, she was born and raised in North Carolina and partly raised in Virginia. And she had very genteel aunts and uncles. And this would have been her. in the 1960s probably. Yeah, in the 1960s. Okay. So late 1960s, early 1970s. And my mom wanted to go and have a drink at the officers club because North Carolina is very dry. So you had to find alcohol where you could. And she just it wanted was a glass Especially of dry then. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it, and it was. And so, but she was shy about going to the officers. She, she didn't want men to think her improper or loose or anything like that but she was too shy to go in by herself and so a, a, an older gentleman was walking by and she asked can, can will you escort me in so i look like a lady and the guy was very charmed and was like of course and so she went in there and had a glass of wine and there was music and she was just dancing and my dad saw her so your dad was not the guy that escorted her no in. Okay. he actually was not he was already in the officer's club and he was there with his friends because okay. he was in the army because of course you know vietnam and uh, he saw her and was very intrigued. And it's a cute story. 
they they danced for a while and then they sat down and talked until they shut the place down. Like they talked until they just they talked until talked closing. Talked till two t- and the doors closed. They do. They talked. They just sat there and talked. And even when he took her home, they just talked in her dad's driveway. They immediately clicked. They just had to keep talking. They had and to talking keep talking. talking. Couldn't have enough. Yeah, of each other. it's such a cute story. How long after that before they were married? I that is actually a really good question. I think within a year or two, they knew pretty fast that they were meant for each other. Uh-huh. And he was from California. Your dad, he's right? from Ca- yeah, he's from California. So he was born in San Francisco, raised in uh, Santa Clara, San Jose area. Okay, so your mom goes comes down from Virginia to visit North Carolina. She's looking for a drink. She knows she can't find a drink most places. She goes to an officers' club on an army base, uh-huh. but doesn't want to walk in on her own. Has somebody else escort her in. Meets your dad inside. They talk to the place closes. Drive home. Talk in the car for hours longer. Decide pretty quick they want to get married. He's from California, so does he want to take her home? He does. He does want to take her home. He, d- he does want to marry her, but there's a catch. What's the catch? The catch is that my mom is like, well, we have to get married in North Carolina. I will not cross the state line without a wedding ring. Whoa. Because that's not what ladies do. That was her perspective on the matter. Okay. That was that was her condition. So he had to propose before she'd leave. Yes. So he had to marry her before because she's a southern lady. So he proposed? He did. Did she say yes? Yes, she did. First time around? I believe so, yes. Okay, I was wondering. <laughs> oh, yes. But it's amazing that by... My parents have such cute stories, mm-hmm. like the one where they went to Gettysburg, and it was the 4th of July, okay. and Nixon was there, and they drove four hours from either North Carolina or Virginia, I can't remember how long it takes, probably from North Carolina, but it took them like four hours to drive to Pennsylvania to see Gettysburg. And it was funny because uh, they couldn't find a place to stay, Nixon was there, it was the 4th of July, everyone wants to be at Gettysburg. And they're so, going to see the, were they going to see the president or they just wanted to go to the battlefield? They wanted battlefield? to go to the battlefield. My okay, parents so love tour- history. Oh, right. So they wanted to tour a Civil War battlefield. They did. That was one of their dates. They loved going on dates to battlefields. Really? That's a true story. I couldn't make this. If you want to know why I do history and games, this is a thing that is in the genetics of my So they're family. living in North Carolina. So your parents' idea of a date is Kings Mountain or Guilford Courthouse yep. or Cowpens mm-hmm. or then drive up to Virginia no and go to Chancellorville. Yeah. Or, or, oh, oh or I've been to Chancellorville. Oh, yep. really? Fredericksburg. Oh, yeah. Manassas, okay. I, uh, I used to live not far from Manassas, and I've done a lot of the, the Virginia battlefields. But uh, if anyone's still watching, uh, oh, these I'm are so <laughs> revolutionary and Civil War battlefields, depending on uh, the one listed. So they went up to Gettysburg. Richard Nixon was there. It was the 4th of July. It was super crowded. They, That's a my, weird date. My da- yeah, and my dad had to uh, lie to get into the hotel because they were so overbooked. That my, and my dad was like, oh, no, we've driven four hours. It's nighttime. What do I do? So he pretended like he had a reservation and pretended to get all indignant about not getting a room. So I couldn't give him a room, but they like let them stay in like a, you know, one of the, the spaces where you have like convention meetings and stuff like that. They actually it, stayed in they, the They did. Room? They got little cots. And my mom wrote, I love you on a blackboard. That's and, adorable, actually. And, and this, was a, this was an early like date trip. It was. It was an early date trip. And then they, they're having breakfast and they're about to go to the battlefield. And it's so crowded. And my parents go to the battlefield. And my mom is it's like, there's no standing room. Like Nixon's there. Everyone's there. And my mom finally goes, there are too many damn Yankees here. I want to go home. And my dad had to drive four hours back to North it's Carolina. <laughs> what? So you obviously love your mother. You obviously like your mother. What about your mom drives you crazy? Oh, I think about it. Not much. Not much. That's 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 a, that's a, that's a, that's one of those things where you, you know you love someone. You have to think. You're like I didn't immediately have an answer to that. Yeah. Nothing that drives you crazy off the top of your head. No, I can't think. 
I'm, I'm trying to think of something. I'm trying to think of some exciting or interesting story. Let's, go, let's turn like, it around. What about you drives your mother crazy? Oh, no. That would take too long. I'm sure everything. Uh, I just, uh, height maintenance, hyperactive OCD daughter. It's... I, I mean, I, did, I actually, the one of the reasons I, I, I want to talk about my mom is I, uh, up until about five or six years ago, I had extremely severe OCD. I still have OCD, but not the way I used to have it. I mean, I had Are you to have, treated for it. Uh, I used to have to take medication and therapy. And, uh, I think what changed everything was, was diet and exercise made a huge difference. So my OCD is, is very minuscule now, but it used to be ragingly severe and uh, this was back before people talked about OCD. Okay. This was way before OCD was something we drop almost like a, oh, I'm super OCD about that. Um, until actually I worked at IGN, I didn't know anyone who had it. And it was a... So you just thought of it as something casual, kind of a slang term for being a little focused on something yeah. and suddenly... It, well, that's, a, that's how people think of it now. But yeah. when you have it really severely, it's almost a sense of shame. Can you, can you describe what it's like a little bit, if you don't mind? Um... It's sort of like brain lock. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think of uh, very minimal examples. It, it can be far more severe than this, but, uh, you know, did, it's not just did I turn off the stove and worrying about it 50 times. That's a, that's a very minor thing. It's, you know, you, you step on a crack and you think, what if I do really break somebody's back? Uh, you know, what if it's, uh, you know, you, you think a bad thought and something bad happens because of you. It's a, I, I don't, it's a lot of association for me with guilt. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what will happen that's... in a cascading kind of loop of guilt yeah. And, and it, it, I, I feel I feel bad about it, like really bad about it. And I also used to be a very, I still am to a degree, but very germaphobic. And so uh, all of these things combined, uh, there were days I couldn't get out of bed almost. Uh, and my mom had to, and the the best thing for me when I have OCD is to talk it out, to to have reassurance that I'm not a bad person and that everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to I'm not going to die of some disease. I'm not a bad person. Nothing's going to happen. If I think, oh man, that person would cut me off, you know, I just you know I go die in a fire. Like we don't mean these things at all. We just have a split second of oh I, I just I can't believe this. But when you have OCD, you 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 suddenly feel more responsible, more guilty, and uh, more ashamed. And so my mom would have to constantly talk me through these things and through and. I mean, I would come to her literally 20 times a day worried about something. You know, when I was young and HIV was still a, a you know, a raging thing that we didn't understand very well, I was always afraid I would get it somewhere. Even though I knew there were only, you know, two or three ways that you can get it, I couldn't go into public restrooms. I, I couldn't go anywhere because I was afraid that somehow I'd gone airborne and all this stuff. And Your obsessive compulsive tendencies made this feel like a real possibility that was a real thing. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sorry, audience. I know I'm speaking a million miles per hour, but it's a it's a very emotional thing for me to talk about. Thank you for I'm, being willing to talk about it. I, I, I don't think a lot of people. I, I mean, I I have my own issues with uh, with mental uh, with mental illness, but obsessive compulsive disorder is not something I understand very well. Yeah. It's it's hard for people to understand, and it takes so many different forms. There's not just one type of OCD. So if you're out there and you have OCD, just know that I'm with you. It doesn't take one form. Often people latch on to one very sometimes very specific thing mm-hmm. that they're very OCD about. Uh, sometimes it goes away for people. Sometimes it stays with them, and it just, it really depends. When do you think your mother first began to notice your obsessive tendencies? Do you remember a, a situation? About when I was 13. Okay. And that was about when I started worrying about HIV and AIDS being just everywhere, because people were still very scared of it back then and didn't quite understand it. So they, they Education wasn't as good. Then, Education yeah. wasn't as good or as clear. And when you're already a teenager and your wires don't work and you're 
confused about a lot of things. And then, you know, you have this epidemic going on that people don't really understand very well. It, it exasperates the problem. How did she deal with that? Uh, just constantly reassuring me. Mom, I, I, I you know, I, I scraped myself at school in a desk. Am I going to, this would be a real question. Am I going to get HIV? Am I, but nope, that's not how that works. I promise you, you're okay. You know, I, I cut myself, you know, or I, you know, I, I shook hands with somebody. What if they're sweaty and I get it that like, I would, I would be terrified. And this might happen many, many times a day that you have to talk. Many to times every day for weeks, if not months. And then when that passed, it would be another, it would be another, it would just, it would simply move to the next obsessive. Com- it didn't, ever stop it never stops so when when did this situation for you and your mother in in regard to your obsessive compulsive disorder when did it move to a place where it went from something that was going on in your life that was undiagnosed or not well understood medically to something that the two of you were able to to look at from from a a a more analytic perspective when did that change Probably within the last 10, 15 years when OCD was finally properly died, basically acknowledged by all of society. I can't stress to you how much it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't something that people talked about until literally 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I can actually remember uh, one of my former IGN coworkers talking about it. That was the first time anyone had openly talked about it and there was no stigma attached. And I realized then that it was okay mm-hmm. to, to talk about it. Not that anyone in my family said you couldn't, but there was this sense in my mind that I couldn't talk about it with anyone but my family because I thought people would think I was I was weird and awful somehow. But you felt like your mother had infinite patience with this. Yes, she did. And, and she does. Yeah. I, I, tr- I turn that into a past and present. I said, and not just patience, but, but, but love. Patience would imply toleration. It sounds like she went well beyond toleration to... Well, I think OCD runs on both sides of my family too. Does your mother uh, exhibit? I, I I think she she does more in like a you know this might just be a southern thing too they, 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 <laughs> that, that cleanliness thing the, and the that entire, craziness thing the entire southeast is the, the entire uh, southeast is insane but no, uh, no I, I I think it's just uh I I get the feeling that she she doesn't let on I mean she's from that old school we we don't show our emotions we don't talk about things like we do today you you keep everything aside and just soldier on kind of thing but uh i i do think that she does worry about things and just doesn't want to burden her children with it do are you ever able to help her with that i i try as best i can i mean and sometimes my mom will open up you know i feel really guilty about blah blah blah, and i'll be like don't feel guilty you didn't do anything wrong and anytime i can pay her back for all the kindness and patience that she's had with my ocd is i jump at the opportunity well talking about this uh you know we, we you were talking earlier about wondering if it's uh I spent enough time living in the southeast that uh, that I can assure you that while uh, while we can be pretty prim and proper, I don't think it extends to the uh, to the degree of pain and frustration that that accompanies a person with obsessive compulsive disorder in in all cases. Uh, but um, what about um, how would your life in regard to that be different if your mother had been a different person or if she hadn't been there? What would you be like now, Megan, if you hadn't had your mother? to help you through the time in your life that you were discovering and learning to deal with your illness, what would, what would your life be like? I don't want to know. I don't even want to think about that. Seriously. I can't, uh, Oh no, I'm going to cry. Um, I, I can't stress to you how important it is to have someone in your corner who's, you know, not going to judge you and just, and just be very patient. Um, 
on the one hand, it's, you know, I'm sure someone else in my family would have been like, all right, let's get you help or therapy. But it's that it's not just sitting there and listening, but there, there's a certain pathos that you need, whether it's empathy or sympathy or anything else. You, you just need someone to listen and just to, to be there to support you, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, I mean, it's, my mom is old school. She's not really big on 12 steps and medication and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, although you ended up, I, 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 out di- I did, but I, I, you know, I, I kind of had to push for that a little bit. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, yeah, that was, that wasn't her thing. She was helping you in the way that she knew. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I didn't want her to feel like it was a failure on her part. It's not, mm-hmm. um, it's just OCD is a literal chemical imbalance yeah. and uh you know it's nothing that, that she did wrong it wasn't that she wasn't supportive it was that it's sometimes especially when you're a teenager uh you you need that extra bit of support was she the one that eventually pushed you toward medical assistance or was that someone else that was something i know i i insisted at okay. one point so I, I think uh it just it got to be too much so and you were able to seek that out. I, I was able to seek it out and i think my mom realized then it was like all right this is this isn't something that I did or I should feel bad about. It's not that I haven't been supporting my daughter enough. It's that, you know, this is beyond, beyond, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's obligatory. Um, it is. It's, <laughs> um, but it was just, it was one of those things where I just, you want to, you want to tell your parents, it's like, it, it's not you. It's nothing that, because OCD wasn't something that they understood. Do you understood. feel like she blamed, blamed herself? Somebody? I don't think she blamed herself. I just think that it was, it was hard to, it was hard to accept that it's like, you're doing everything you can. What am I doing wrong? So maybe, yeah, maybe a little bit like okay. maybe I'm just not listening or doing something right. It's like, it's not you. I'm not going to go talk mm-hmm. smack about you or a family at the therapist. This is about me unlocking my brain. If, um, what would you say to somebody, you know, we have a pretty wide audience and some, some people have been honest to us about a lot of difficulties in their lives. What would you say to somebody who might be suffering from some of the symptoms of obsessive compulsive uh, disorder? What would your thoughts be um wow first of all no matter what it is it's not your fault i needed to hear that so many times it's not your you're not a bad person you're not a bad person you're if you're that worried about it you're not gonna die i promise um and that you're not alone those are things i needed to hear you're not a bad person you're not gonna die and you're not alone yeah, we're we're not mental health professionals, but I can't tell you how much seeking out the help of of um, qualified uh, medical experts made my life better with mental yeah. illness. Um, and uh, if you have the opportunity, I strongly suggest you seek it out. Um, Anyway, well, uh, I'm sorry. so sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, I wanted little... to make this happy and fun, but it is I... happy and fun. Your mother's a happy, fun woman. She uh. she she does make the best pie maybe ever. Um, wow, what my mom pie. loves it. So my mom is like the Martha Stewart of like everything. Your your mom is like Martha Stewart without the smugness. Like she's like that's that's a really she's good like genial Martha Stewart. It's amazing, and uh, she's less contrived. May I just say, I love you, Martha Stewart, but everything is so exact and neat uh, and orderly. Yeah, it's like no, just relax. Uh, let me ask you one more question. Yes, um, what parts of your mother do you see in you that make you feel good about yourself? Well, 
good news, I look a lot like her. <laughs> so you got to see me. So no one ever guesses my age and no one ever guesses my mom's age. We have good genes. You guys do look a lot alike. We look a lot alike. Um, let's see. What else? Um, I have her dreaminess and imagination. Yeah. Which I think is why I've been able to stay at IGN for as long as I have, is I have imagination. I, I want to explore. I want to be creative. These are things I get from my mom. Uh, and I, I, though I do have my dad's sense of direction. My mom has no sense of direction. She's <laughs> lost in her own museum. She's always saying that. But I have my dad's sense of direction. So I never, I almost never get lost. When I do, it only happens once. And then I remember I could still find my way around Shinjuku Station probably to the So from your dad direction from your mom but creativity. Her, her creativity. And, okay. Yes, I do. I unfortunately I inherited my dad's temper, so I have no patience. My mom is so wonderfully patient. But you didn't get that. I didn't get that. I wish that I had gotten that. But I, I did. I got my mom's skin and her creativity. That's two is, good ones to get. Which is great. That's pretty wonderful. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing thank about that. Thank you. Thank you for, for having that story, me. I'm so so now, yes. it's time for instant noodles. But before we begin, I uh, would like to thank our Patreon producers, uh, Robert Nader and Xavier Saint-Amand Tremblay. Uh, once again, that's Robert Nader, Xavier Saint-Amand Tremblay, our Patreon producers whose support makes this show possible. Thank you guys very much. Yes, thank you. The show is so good. It's fun. I, I love it. I, I'm so glad you came on. Now, instant noodles. Are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. Uh-huh. Uh, this was originally a user-submitted question. It remains probably my all-time favorite. Quote, what is best sandwich? End quote. What is best sandwich? Oh, God, I'm on the clock. What is um, best sandwich? I don't know. All of them. All... <laughs> By definition, best sandwich cannot be all of them. Oh, come on, Megan. You know the answer to this. What I is just... best sandwich? Well, it is subjective. I mean, you, you I, can it's literally sub- say everything and we won't know but... you don't believe it, you know. I, I'm trying to think, like, if I if I ever on a desert island, what sandwich would I get? I would say roast beef with Swiss cheese, mayo mustard on sourdough bread. Ooh, that does sound good. Yes. Yeah, they do something fairly similar at Hennessy's, although minus the sourdough, and they uh, get the sourdough in there would be about perfect. Okay. I love a good roast beef sandwich. Have you ever had boiled eggs on a roast beef sandwich? No, and I would never. Okay, I wonder. Boiled eggs sliced with horseradish on roast beef is really good. I'm going to take your word for it because yeah, I'm never going to try that. You're never going to try that? Nope. Right. Yeah, well, I like your sandwich. It's All right. a sandwich. I actually have eaten the sandwich you're describing many times and love it. It's a sourdough that makes it kick. It's, you know what it is? Is I just want the sourdough. Forget the sandwich. I just want the sourdough. You just want the bread. <laughs> because you can't get sourdough bread outside of San Francisco the way that you get it here. I mean, you, you can literally get can't. it, but, but it is really good here. It's really good. It's so good. People make a thing about it being a tourist thing, but actually there's some pretty good sourdough. There's a, there's a can, re- that yeast cannot look. exist outside of if San Francisco. If you know where to look, it, it does taste really, so really good. So um, what's the best song written in the last 100 years? Oh, God. All of these feel... I feel like all I can come up with is wrong answers. The first, probably Imagine by John Lennon. Oh, okay. So you're uh, so we've a, gotten McCartney before. Now we're getting Lennon. All I right. almost said Yesterday, which was written and sung by McCartney. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was my that was my initial choice. And I was like, no, I'm going to have to give it to Imagine. Okay, you're going to Imagine. I'm going to go Imagine. So Yesterday's been somebody else's choice on the show. So that's then interesting. They're, okay, they're not wrong. That's yeah. an, that's an yeah. amazing, amazing But song. Imagine's your favorite. Yeah. Well, I think I think overall in terms of quality and message, yes. I, I love the song. It's striking and beautiful and wonderful. And I will always associate it with Tom Hanks as much as... Uh, John Lennon now because of that segment in Forrest Gump. Oh, um, of course. In like, yeah. the land of China. Yeah, but it's a great song. Oh, uh, so good. It, um, 
Uh, what's the first thing you think of when you hear the sound of your own voice? The first word you think of when you hear the sound of your own voice. Pardon me. Yikes. Yikes. All right. Yikes. Uh, and um, you do voice acting sometimes, right? I do. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Rainbow sherbet. Oh, that's a good one. If you could travel the time and meet anybody, what one person would you visit? Oh, my God. Yep. You can only do one. Ancient. So I would go back to ancient Greece and I would meet Themistocles. Oh, that's why, my man. Why Themistocles? I've been obsessed with Themistocles for years. There, he's got some swagger. He was the ancient Greece's Churchill. Mm-hmm. They have a lot in common. Even their even their heritage and how they grew up was was very similar. Uh, just a brilliant tactician. Very funny wit. Uh, Can you tell a short good Themistocles story to to let people know something about what the kind of dude he was? Um. There are too many. I can't. Okay, I can't. Sorry, I can't. There are too sorry. many quotes. That, that, that's one of those. I, I'll come up with one and I'll think of a better one later. All right. Uh, what's the most terrifying creature in the natural world? Wow. Uh, living or already I'll extinct? I'll take either. Uh, well, I was just talking about dinosaurs on History and Games and Tyrannosaurus Rex is legitimately terrifying. That's a terrifying creature. That's a terrifying... When you really stop and think about how terrifying that thing actually is. Mm-hmm. You don't want that... You know, we don't even have fences that can keep elephants in. Can you imagine a Tyrannosaurus Rex just running loose? Yeah, just like, how do you stop him? Yeah, and, and I'm not talking about that terrible Jurassic World... Jurassic Park 2 movie. What was that? Oh, wait, uh, which one? Uh, it was Jurassic Park. Was it Lost World? What was the one with the, the T-Rexes and like the baby T-Rex... And they're running around, and Jeff Goldblum was in it, but none that's of the rest. The, that's of, Lost World. That was yeah. Lost World. That yeah, that movie's real bad. That movie's really bad. You know when Steven Spielberg directed that piece of trash? No. Yeah, it's really weird. It's one of the really few very bad Steven Spielberg movies. There I aren't many bad Spielberg movies. I swear he was not. I think I yeah. blocked that out of my mind. Yeah, he he. Sometimes he produces really bad movies, but doesn't direct them. But he actually directed. Yeah, that. like that Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, that, doesn't that and exist. Crystal Skull. Both. Yeah. What, what's weird. the Crystal Skull? Yeah. I'm just saying. That okay, so Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's that's a terrifying. That's that's it. That's you're not going to get scarier. What's your favorite word? Aluminum. Aluminum. Yeah. That's a or good one. Aluminium, if you're in the UK. Aluminium. Aluminium. I think Which I pronounced that right. Aluminum, because I'm, I'm from the US and that's the only way I know it, but I, I like that word. Aluminum. America. America. Yeah. Aluminum. All right. Yeah. What's your favorite? Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, who was your first kiss? I'm blanking. You're blanking? I am blanking, but okay. it was re- relatively late in the game. Okay. Yes, but okay. Um, it wasn't very good. That's all I've... Do you remember it wasn't? It's it's bad enough that you don't remember I don't... Who. I don't know. Maybe I blocked it out, but it was like... It was It was just... It was a very innocent on-the-mouth kiss, but I just remember it being kind of cold and gross. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Cake or pie? Cake. Cake. I'm a cake girl. All right, I wondered. Even even with the pie, I just tasted it. Your mom makes, so her cake must be pretty spectacular. Oh my god, oh, her cake! For someone who doesn't eat desserts, my mom makes the best desserts. Yeah, she doesn't eat desserts, but she, she makes desserts. She doesn't eat desserts, but she she's so good at making them. My my mom's mother's a lot like that. She almost never eats dessert in my presence, and yet she does nothing but cook sweets all day. I think she's trying to kill me. Yeah. When I come to visit. I don't think she does it except when I'm there. Just to, it just does that because she can. And it's just yeah, just I it's just like like a Garrison Keeler story, just <laughs> stuffing me with food or put me into a like a coma <laughs> while I'm there, so she doesn't have to listen to me talk about like democratic political principles or something. Oh I, my gosh. I, I, uh, what's one question you have for me? Question you want to ask me? Hmm. Okay. 
Uh, what's your favorite dinosaur? Oh, that's easy. Ankylosaurus. <gasps> I like that answer. I love him. He's like a big turtle guy, but he's also got a tail with like a, like yes. a mace on it. And he, but he's still, he's like, hello, I'm a big plant eater. I'm like, boom, boom, I'm going to eat some grass now. Oh, I'm going to hit you in the face with my tail. I'm a big old turtle monster. That's, I like him. I love that. Ankylosaurus is a great answer. Who's your favorite? T-Rex. T-Rex. I, I'm, I'm team. Yeah, I, I, did, I like that swag. Tiny hands. What? Yeah, but what? Although I heard that those were really powerful for what they were. Well, I mean, yeah, we we call them tiny, but they're still like they're the size. They're so they're the length of a human arm. Yeah. So they they mad, but but if you have a a human arm on a ginormous dinosaur, yeah, that's just that's just not working out. But that's okay because he had these long banana shaped teeth that would rip meat. Yeah. And then because he couldn't chew, no cheekbones or anything, he's he would like a have shaker, to shaker, right? Well, it, well, he would actually he would have to swallow chunks of meat all mm, at once because he couldn't yummy. technically really chew it. Yeah, uh, uh, crocodiles aren't great chewers either in the no. modern world, so they'll they'll kind of swallow big hunks. Like yeah, that, after they do their their roll of death kind of thing, roll of death, and they let you rot under the water yeah. for a while. And they're one of they're tough, man. They're one of the few survivors. Oh yeah, crocodiles from have been the, around uh, from 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 the dinosaur period. Yep, um, relatively unchanged. Yep, and, really. Uh, they, they luckily they grew smaller, not bigger. Yeah, so that's good. Apparently, not all that long ago, they caught a twenty footer. Um, Ugh, nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, like a record crocodile. But uh, thank you. Yeah, crocodiles are, are kind of terrifying creatures. I, I uh, you know, they still kill like a lot of people every year. Oh no, I, yeah. I I've heard that it's yeah. a lot of it in Florida and in the well, uh, most Everglades of it's in Africa. And... And, and oh, you're actually... talking. You're, I thought you were talking about the U.S. as well. Um, no, I'm talking about like like into the like maybe into the hundreds or maybe even above. Oh, jeez. Yeah, in Asia and and Africa. Um, wow! But every once in a while, even in the even in, in the, the U.S., States, it happens. So anyway, that's uh, that's my question. So thank you so much for that, Megan. And guys, thank you so much for watching and listening to Pockets Full of Soup. You can find us on pocketsfullofsoup.com. You can find us on YouTube, where we hope you subscribe. On iTunes or your favorite podcast service, again, where we hope you subscribe and leave us a nice rating. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon.com/slash/JaredPetty, where we hope you support the show. That's Patreon.com/slash/JaredPetty uh, because every dollar there really does help us an awful lot. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for coming. Thank are, you so much for inviting me on your show. Are you going to join the Pockets Full of Soup Facebook group now? Yes, I am. Well, you can come there and talk to Megan then on the Pockets Full of Soup Facebook group. I hope you do that as well. That's a nice community of people. Really, really just wonderful folks. I just, I love it when you get those nice internet communities that well, are supportive and loving. And... Pockets fans are incredible. We're trying to decide if they're, we've heard uh, soup heads, super friends, soup, <gasps> uh, super fans. Super uh, friends is so good. Yeah. I'm totally, yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's you got to do super friends. That's so good. That's your vote. That's Team Super that Friends. immediately was like, that's yeah. great. Yeah, it's a fun. It's, it's, it's nice. It also reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Bart joins the nerdy group and they call themselves the Super Friends. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, eh? so there's yeah. more incentive to choose that name. Frank Knight at IGN, um, who's who's an incredible guy. Do you know Frank very well? Oh, yeah. Frank's great. Um, but Frank and I were uh, talking one day and we made up a uh, um, a sitcom starring Tom Willing, Brandon Ruth, and Dean Cain, uh, all living in an apartment together what? calling us super friends. Uh, we just <gasps> want so We just want to make a show up with uh, with uh, those guys all living together. Oh, I will so watch that's that our, that's show. Our, that's our TV. Our Netflix, uh, take note. Netflix, um, please do this. That would make right, me so, so happy. Guys, again, thank you for watching and listening. You can email us at mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com. That's mail at pocketsfullofsoup.com. And uh, leave us a thank you message for someone in your life. We hope you will. Uh, let us know if it's okay to read it on the air. And until next time, uh, thanks so much. For thanks, watching. guys. 
Bye, super friends. Bye-bye.